the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. This week, we thought we'd try something a little bit different. And you, dear listener, can decide if this is a real conversation or a role-played conversation. Do get in touch. Let us know what you think it is. So, I'm going to ignore the listeners now and just talk to you, Stuart. I have an amount of money and I would quite like to invest in property. And I, I have some sort of things around this. I, I, I have in the past tried angel investment in property deals, but I would like to be a bit more involved. I would like to certainly have equity and have the potential upside of capital returns from that property investment. And and I know you're you're often looking at property deals and trying to find property deals. And that's something that I'm struggling a bit to find the time for at the moment. So I thought perhaps we could we could do something together. So what do you think, Stuart? Would, would that work for you? Well, Simon, of course, it sounds highly exciting. I, I love working with people and I like new partnerships. But of course, there's uh, there's a lot of questions to be asked before we could even get to answering that question. So you've mentioned angel investing and you've also mentioned wanting to be more involved. What, what does that look like? What does that mean? So I'm, I'm time strapped. So I'm not looking for sort of turning up on site and directing builders. That's, that's definitely beyond the involvement I would like. However, I would like to know what the property is. I would quite like to visit it. I would quite like to talk to you about what the plans are for it and and potentially have input into how that that goes. But but yes, not not actually sort of on the ground directing anyone or indeed going out and finding builders or finding when do finding the property in fact in the first place. So you don't want to get your hands dirty, that's what I'm hearing. Indeed. And you mentioned about having some stake in the property so we're talking about ownership obviously but and again what does that look like to you in your mind i i think i'd like to explore the options really so i I would like to have the potential to benefit from capital gains over time i would obviously also like to have ongoing income from it as a an investment and, and rental property but I, I'm interested to know what the options might be around that. So as in, would there be a lump sum needed up front? Would, would that then be tied up for, for years or ever? Or would all of it come back, some of it come back? And then how would ownership potentially be, be split after that? I mean, I, I'm thinking this would be a potential sort of joint venture type arrangement. And this is not something I've done before. So... I, I don't really know what the options are. So what you're saying, what I've heard there is that you, you do want a property for longer term. The question that I'm asking is to, to get an understanding of whether or not really you need a joint venture or whether or not you just need somebody to source a property for you and manage that. So the the difference between the two is... If you've got someone, and we talked about this obviously very recently, a couple of podcasts ago, about someone sourcing property, just just finding a property for you, 
or someone that's packaging the whole thing that says, okay, I have a property and we're going to get it at this price, but we're going to bring, we're going to add value to the property by doing X, Y, Z. And actually as, as a, as a packager or a, a, I can deal with all of that elements for you. Cause there's a few different strands to this that in my head is that if you want a property and you want all of the benefit, a hundred percent of the benefit, then of course you need to own that and you'd pay someone and it's something I could look at in terms of finding a property. However, what I tend to look at are properties where I've found a property. I understand the location of the property. I know what its end rent value within a very good degree will be around 90%. I'm 90% confident of what I think the end rental value will be. And therefore, what I believe the let's just say the GDV, I'll call it GDV for simple terms, but uh, gross development value, I think will be. And I'll get a very good approximation on terms of build costs because I tend to do eight out of 10 viewings with a builder. So I get a really good indication of what we're going to look at. And that There's always skeletons in the closet, as you know, that we, that we can't understand. So the way I work is I find the property, look at the end value, understand the works required, understand the licensing required, understand the compliance that we'll need to do understand the project timings, deal with the financing as regards mortgage financing, bridging financing, and then refinancing, working with the local planning department, working with the HMO licensing department if that's relevant, and contacting building regs when and where necessary, which I tend to do. So on one property, for example, we we did actually knock through a wall and I contacted a structural engineer, actually paid him a couple of hundred quid only to get told by the local council that we didn't need to do that. However, I quite liked having that in writing and it might have cost 300 quid, but at least I have all of that in paperwork. So all of that gets managed. And obviously, the, the key thing from an investor point of view is we work out what are the funds required to go in. So, OK, what do we need? Deposit. That's, let's say, 30 percent of the property price, the stamp duty. And obviously the build costs, miscellaneous fees and furnishing, etc. And we'd need to look at those numbers explicitly. And depending on where that all comes out to, what we tend to try and work towards is that the that an investor in this scenario would get as much of their capital as back as possible, if not all. So just plucking numbers out of the air, let's just say you invested sixty thousand. Sixty thousand goes in, we work on the the project project completion, six to 12 months down the line, we get as much of those funds out as possible. Once those funds are returned, that, well, actually from the outset, the, the company will own, be owned in equal share, so 50-50. Once your funds are returned from the rents and the refinance, it carries on as, as all revenues are 50-50. So everything is then shared 50-50. So that is a very high-level summary of what i think you're talking about yeah so okay that, that's that's really interesting so i as as potential investor from the two scenarios you talked about there, there's one where i sort of see you doing all of that work that you described and charging a fee and and i'm just buying the property 
but you're doing all the work for it in exchange for a fee. And the other one is where you're doing all of that work, but we're structuring it as a, a partnership. And the end result is that rather than paying you a fee, I, I pay you with half of the value of the property effectively. Is, is that kind of at a top level, the, the sort of how it works out? Yeah, definitely. And as as you're talking, it reminds me why I do that. Because what when I look at relationships, particularly in business, but in life, they're typically long-term relationships. There are scenarios where I could look at inverted commas project management, but it doesn't get me excited enough to want to do it. But of course, there could be a financial short-term need to do it. But typically, when I work with a, a JV partner, historically, we've done more than one property, for example. So we've looked at how we could just grow a little portfolio into the business. When I say little, I mean one, two, three properties. And that's of, that's of benefit to the partner because they get all of my knowledge, which, to be frank, is worth more than just a bit of project management time because it's taken you know, several years to, to get the knowledge I need. And as importantly, the contact to be able to do what we need to do, uh, as well as finding those properties where we think we'll get as much of the capital out of it that we can. Okay, so owning all of the property is always appealing. However, I think that if you look at that sort of longer term there there will obviously be sort of ongoing fees with that management and things as well. Although, actually, perhaps I should approach it from the other side. If we're looking at a joint venture partnership and we were to get a property and get it all set up and and rent it out and we own a company that owns that property 50-50, the investor money, so the money that I've put in has been paid back, then we're splitting the income 50-50. But if I still want a hands-off sort of investment or little involvement, we probably have a letting agent involved, but sometimes a letting agent needs to contact a landlord or there's licensing requirements that need renewing or safety things that need to be checked or whatever that needs to be escalated beyond a letting agent to a landlord. So would you still look after those? Yeah, typically that's that's what I've done. Again, because of all the aforementioned reasons, I have all of those relationships anyway, so it doesn't make sense to hand them over. And that is part of it. So when I think about sweat equity, it's not just on that initial term. And, you know, hopefully we clarified up front that you were talking about a longer term. If we were talking about a six mm-hmm. to 12 month flip, that wouldn't be the answer. However, on these, my acceptance is that I essentially run that business. So... 90% of those queries, utilities, maintenance, tenant issues come my way because that's how the relationships have been set up. But it's an open book policy where everything is shared transparently. And for me personally, that's where some of the value lies because I get to share that information. doesn't mean require anyone to do anything, but just the, just the act of me sharing that information helps me personally, emotionally. Yep. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I can understand that. <laughs> um, just before we started recording this morning, the, the, the first thing I, I started talking to you about was the fact that I've got a, a boiler problem in one of my properties. And 
and a plumber problem tied into that. So, <laughs> so yes, it's, it's nice to share, even though uh, in that case, it was nothing, nothing to do with you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let, let's let's dig a little bit into the how the finances might work then. So, I meant I talked a little tiny bit about how sort of the ongoing stuff would work, but I, I missed the bit, bit at the beginning. So, say I've got, I think you said sixty thousand pounds as a, as a potential investment. So, let, let's say I've got sixty thousand pounds to put into a joint venture. How would the structure of that work? So we'd I mean, we're not we're not advising anyone. This isn't financial advice, but I think sort of the the general structure would be: we'd create a limited company, we own half each, and I would loan the limited company that money. And between us, presumably, then there'd be an extra written agreement that says that the company will will pay back that loan before it starts paying out rental income to either of us. Is that correct? Am I am I off the mark? <laughs> Yeah, so based on previous experience, what I'd say is so typically there'll be funds from both parties, but I would expect the investor to be investing more, right? Just in its simplest form. I don't usually put it in those words, quite maybe not quite <laughs> as blunt, but that but that's how it works. So for sake of example, I would expect the whole project to be worth a hundred uh, to be requiring an investment amount of a hundred thousand. For for example, so the investor you would let's say put in sixty. Or, or more likely, say, 70. So it'd be a 70-30 split where, obviously, the investor, in this case, you, has invested 70,000 and I've invested 30,000. So obviously, there's a 40,000 difference. Now, a couple of ways this can go. One would be as much of the refinance, ideally, you know, what we'd work towards is getting that 100,000 back out as quickly as we can. And then that, that way, that reduces things. However, our experience tells us that that's not going to be as feasible as, as the... Um, as the marketing world might like you to believe. And, <laughs> you know, realistically, it's more likely to be 80% or, you know, 75%. However, what we'd need to work out is an agreement of how much money comes back out. So one, one way of looking at it is that we just get both get back to even. So if you've put in 70,000 and I put in 30,000, if we get 50,000 out of the property, you take 40,000, initially just to bring us back to to all square so, we, so we've now invested i hope we're not losing people but that but that means that we've both invested thirty thousand. so you invested 70 and then we share what's left so from the point where our investment amounts are the same from that point forward everything is 50 50 if we withdraw it's 50 50 if we put in it's 50 50 so as soon as we're level on terms now in that scenario i think i just said we got 50,000 out, you got 40. So that meant we both now have 30 in. Well, of that 10, we just split that in 50-50. So we both take five back out. Now we've both got 25 in. That's an example. And I'm just painting that picture because you're asking, asking the question. It doesn't always work that way because I might put in less, I might put in more, you might put in less, you might put in more. And also we need to think about, given that this is a podcast called The Business of Property, how is that business unit of that one property going to going to work? Because it's going to need some funds in it to to cover, you know, what we might call a prudent reserve. So for all of the things that that we know and love, compliance, et cetera, et cetera, moving forward, not not now, but moving forward, and and then once it does start making money, and, and my experience is that, that can take twelve months before we start seeing positive gains. Could take longer, could be shorter, but once that's coming in. Anything else happens on an equal footing. So if you said, Stuart, I really need to take 500 pounds out of this, this B 
business for what it doesn't matter the reason but if i need to take 500 pounds that's fine you take 500 out and i take 500 out. and equally whenever i've done this before i said okay if i need to take a thousand pounds out you know i've actually forced the partner to take a thousand they say oh well, i don't need the money now and i said no this is how because otherwise it gets complicated but like you say we have a written partnership agreement which essentially states that and keeps it as simple as possible yeah so looking at that presumably it's also the same the other way around so if the roof collapses and and suddenly the house needs twenty thousand pounds of repairs our stated agreement would be that we we both find half of that each to put into the the company to keep keep stuff afloat exactly so once the development's finished everything is 50 50 the only bit where it's slightly different is because i see the sweat equity and the knowledge equity is of much is of higher is of higher value and again so to, to be clear on that, so you've you, you've just said it. So yeah, costs would always share fifty fifty. Now we we've put a very simple example where we said you you know you put in whatever amount seventy thousand, I put in thirty thousand, and you, we get down to thirty thirty, and then it's equal. But it might be that I say, well, actually, you might put in seventy, and I'm about to put in thirty grand worth of cash, but the value I've put into that is worth X, and we'd we'd talk about that because there is. There is a lot of value attached to that. And to be honest, some of it is attached to the property because there are properties I've found that I know I've created a lot of value in. So I've, I know, for example, I've purchased a property for just shy of 200000 that with a 35K spend on has, has gone up to a value of 280. So there is, a, there is an incremental value there also needs to be worked out and i'm trying not to get this too complicated but that's why it's quite dependent on the development itself as well it's not just about what each of us is bringing to the table in terms of cash or knowledge actually that the, the investment itself you know it might be a simple buy to let where we say oh, this is really simple we buy it for 200 grand we spend 20 on it and it's worth 230 so that's negligible it's just a good property in which case it's very simple but if there is additional value to it, and some of those I have found myself, then I think there's a value in that. And again, we'd speak quite candidly about what that is, and we'd agree up front whether you agreed as an investor or not. Yeah, that's, I think that's quite interesting. And I, I think I might like to dig into the nitty gritty of that in a moment. But I have some sort of higher level questions around how such agreements as this will, would end. So when I've made angel investments, those are very straightforward. They're, they're alone, therefore, an amount of time and yes that might be extended or be paid early depending on the agreement and things but it's it's a fixed amount of time when the money is paid back it ends and for uh, the kind of jv that we're talking about here i've already said that i would be looking for a a long-term investment and a long-term return at some point though that will end but whether it's because we want to go our separate ways, because one of us wants the money out, or something worse happens. Death. But but it, let, let, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I was trying to avoid that. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> you can't. I'm afraid, Simon. I hate to break it to you. You cannot avoid it. Well, I'm planning to for a while. While yet, so <laughs> I'm not going to think about about the the other option. <laughs> um, so so yeah. So how what what gets put in place? What what do we prepare for? for those scenarios and and indeed how do those scenarios even work yeah my my suggestion to this is you always sit in a room and we have spoken about this in the past but at the 
the best condition of a relationship, and we, we all know this from our relationships with partners, is 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 the early is the beginning. You know, that's always the best bit because we're all the sun's shining, everything smells rosy. And that is why it's the both the hardest but the best time to have those conversations about what happens. The first question I've got in my mind for you is you say long term, and of course that could mean for to you that might mean five years to me it might mean 25 so we'd have to be really clear with each other about what does long term mean to you and what okay, is long well i can answer that yeah so so for me long term is long term i have i, I would be happy to look at it as, as an open-ended arrangement so with no no time so 25 plus years would would, would be something that i'd be happy to explore so yeah, how, how does that affect things? It, well, it doesn't affect things. It just means great because that's what we can think about. 25 years, that's perfect for me because that is long-term and that's what I would want us to be thinking about. And then the next set of questions are those what you, that you've identified, which is what happens if actually one day you wake up and this has happened with an investor before and all their, their children have children and you know, it's a one investor. To be fair, it was more of a short-term investment but at the start of what was going to be a five-year agreement, within six months, the, the investor said, oh, my son's just had twins. And of course, he knew that was pulling at my heartstrings, having had twins myself, and said, I really need to get the money out. Now, typically and legally, I could have said, uh, no, we can't, we can't do that because we've, we're only six months in. There's no way I can do that. But obviously, uh, you know, we, we made it happen. But what we need to say is, okay, within that 25 years, what happens what what could happen that could force an event so we we might just fall out we might just one day you might wake up and say actually i've i've had enough is i can't i can't tolerate Stuart anymore and we're just talking about death (laughs) yeah keeps talking about death and tax so we then okay so but and actually it could be any reason doesn't matter but there might be a reason within the next 25 years where something happens and you know there, there, there's numerous life events so actually it's just okay what would happen so in an actual example like that i think about how do we approach that and it's well we first of all we need evaluation on the property we need to understand at that particular time what the property is valued at and the way i the only way i know of doing that is is getting a, a proper valuation from a from a from a rick's approved it's a royal institute of chartered surveyors surveyor that would give us an objective view of that valuation and understand, therefore, what we had in equity in the property. And then, you know, there's there's a couple of options. So one is one partner buys out the other. So if you wanted to move on, I would have to purchase your share in that property. And we'd probably, this is the actual value and this is what we negotiate on in terms of how we do it. Or we sell the property. And again, we need to understand what happens, you know, what would force that event, you know. And, and again, we'd agree that up front. So because, you know, I might not want to sell the property, but I might not be able to afford to, to buy those shares. So that's why these conversations are really key. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly the scenario. I was just wondering about if the, the partnership needs to end or one wants to leave the partnership and the other one can't afford to, to buy out. Then, then, yeah, obviously it, it sort of forces selling the property. Yeah, but... 
the 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 business element of it is that we we could also look for a another buyer so i i could buy them, ah yes interesting but i could sell the we your shares but you could sell your shares to a another company you know so so that's how it works but that's why these conversations for me i think they're great because we, we want to get this all written down so that we're crystal clear and we say okay we might feel differently in 10 15 years and the world might change but that's what we agreed so that's what we're going to do you know so if in that selling your shares scenario would you write in sort of restrictions where the other the remaining partner has some say over who those are sold to so presumably that could could be quite difficult if if one of us i don't know one of us dies since you keep bringing that up um and and um and their estate has to sell off the the half of the the, the business and it just goes to, to sort of the highest bidder and that, that could be anyone and it could be someone that that you you don't like working with or don't want to work with so do you do you write in to the agreement something around that i i don't really know how you how you potentially cover that legally well, I, I don't know how you'd preclude people from from buying those shares, but in, in my view, in that scenario, if you didn't want to take it on, simply you'd sell the property. I think that's because we we couldn't envisage. I suppose that would be the get out clause, wouldn't it, in yeah. in the contract between the two parties? That if if anyone really wants wants out, then they can sort of force the sale of the of the property. Yeah, one of the there's some really good templates online which I've seen actually in terms of doing agreements non-specific to property actually but really good in terms of you know it's obviously more difficult when there's two people but essentially you need two votes for something to go through so both parties have to vote for something to go through if one disagrees then it's then it's a no which 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 again is not easy when there's two if there's three of you then of course that's that's really simple because you've got a 2v1 but I still find that quite a good principle. Once again, if you've agreed it up front, it might be frustrating as hell when you get to that stage where I, re- I say, oh, Simon, can we just sell the shares? I really want to sell the shares. And you say, well, no, actually, I think we need to sell the property. Now, we've got, we've got two options, and, and, and I've seen this play out, where you just get an impasse where nothing happens. But that is why these agreements come up front. So you go, okay, if selling the shares doesn't look good to me, and I say, I don't want to sell. I don't, I'd rather sell the property than sell the shares. Then actually, that that vote kind of, kind of, kind of wins. But actually, if you say, "Well, I don't want to sell the property," or or you know, you know, actually, well, we're not going to sell the property, and we're not going to sell the shares. And okay, then then we're holding on to it. Yeah, I suppose you have, the contract has to be, or the agreement has to be written in such a way that you can't end up in a stalemate. You you don't want the, or at least not one where where the the business gets stuck. So, so yeah, you always want that. Want, want there to be a, a way out. Um, so, so this would be a, a long term sort of arrangement. If my answer was that I actually wanted a, a much shorter arrangement, sort of. I mean, I, I still think it's sort of fairly long term, probably sort of ten years kind of thing. But with, and, and it wouldn't really be because I, I want, I want the investment to only be short. But it was just, it would just be, I might like the the idea of it being sort of predictable if you like so so we know that or i know that i'm going into it and it's uh, an arrangement for a set amount of time how 
how do you manage things like property markets going up and down and things like that when you've got sort of that predictable fixed time at the end do you do you do you build in some flexibility and sort of expect the flexibility to, to work with the partner and say well actually the market's just crashed Let, let's wait two years for it to, to recover a bit and does that is that covered contractually or or do you just rely on 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 talking <laughs> well uh, i probably want to just clarify more on that with you but funnily enough i was just thinking about the market when you were talking because the other option when we were talking about what do we do with the property obviously we've both agreed long term circa 25 years and what happens if someone wants to leave well of course the backdrop the context to that is ideally you know hopefully unless we've done something incredibly wrong in 10 at least 10 years time the value of that property should have in- increased which hypothetically and of course we know it's not always true would give us increased opportunity for leverage within that property now we're talking about worst case scenarios which is why i didn't touch on it when we first spoke because we've got to say we've got to work that out we're not banking on a property price increase but hopefully that will be there in the background anyway so that you can leverage leverage a property you know should should you need to you know refinance to to buy to buy that said personnel Uh, so you you bring up revaluation, which is an interesting point. I hadn't actually thought about potentially revaluation and freeing up cash to to enable someone to to buy the other one out. But thinking just about revaluations, how do you handle that and the the money that that could potentially raise? Would, would you would you ever look to revalue just to take money out of the business? That's, I mean, that doesn't really make sense because you're well, what does it? Maybe, maybe it does. I don't well, yeah, my question would be, why not? Why wouldn't it? Again, it depends. But if if you've had a property that's doubled in value, for example, it, it might make sense. And again, if we're thinking about it as a business, which we are talking about the business of property, is ultimately we want to take something from that business that you know enriches our lives and if we've if we've made some money and again these, these are all the things that you're gonna you know these are all the pertinent questions you're asking that you'd want on a bit of paper at the start because if you say well actually i don't want to ever release equity it's i just want this here so that it's 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 there for my kids it's part of their inheritance fine well okay that's the conversation we need to have now and that's brilliant because are you buying it in a company name how does that work have you sorted out that you know have you sorted out what that looks like Whereas I might say, well, you know, I'm a sort of person in five to 10 years, if we've doubled the property's price value, I'd quite like a trip to Australia or, you know, the Southern Hemisphere. So that's something I'd be quite keen to do. Would you be averse uh, increasing the borrowing if it meant we didn't go past 70% loan to value, for example? So there's additional criteria. You say, you could say, actually, I'm not comfortable to increase borrowing ever past 75% LTV, let's say 70% LTV. In which case, there's a quite, a quite a good criteria there. And if our property price increases to a degree where we know we're at 60%, well, we've kind of already agreed that that's okay, provided we can get a good product, that we could release 10% and split it between us. Mm, okay, that's interesting. Because then you're, you're effectively sort of devaluing the the company effectively by taking that that capital out of the company yeah it's it's an interesting thinking about how those dynamics would work i suppose the other possibility is the company 
remortgages the, the property and then actually does something with that money itself and, and tries to grow a portfolio or, or whatever. So yeah, there's, yeah, lots of potential options around around that. So I think one of my last questions, seeing as we've, we're running a bit long, is realistically speaking, if we're to go ahead with this, how much money would I actually need to be considering putting into it? What's right, right now and in the areas that you you work in, as an as an investor working with you, what 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 do I actually need to be thinking of? Well, it depends on the development we look at because we we could just look at a five bed property and look at adding value to that, or, or you know, three four bed and adding value, adding rooms, or there are properties we could look at buying a guest house, which is a ten bed property where you know there's a significantly significantly higher purchase price. So there is no short answer to that question because we have to take each development on its own merits. And once we've agreed that actually this is something you'd like to look at, we can find you know one or two properties and look at what we can do to those and look at the values attached to that. I mean, typically, I'd be very surprised if you're not looking at around you know the 50k mark as as a, as a as a general you know finger in the air figure but like i say that will be dependent on the development and what you'd be interested in being a part of because some developments we can spend very little on others actually more exciting projects but exciting equals money okay so that that's very interesting because i mean from my point of view i need to know what the the sort of minimum kind of thing or perhaps even not minimum more more realistic kind of figure might be because obviously i i sadly don't have an infinite bank account and i need to to know that it would actually potentially fit so so 50,000 uh, that that to me i think sounds a bit a bit low for for actually buying a property and doing it up and whatever else even if if you were coming in with with some of the, the with some funds as well so, so yeah, I, I think that sounds sounds like a bargain. But, uh, but I, I would probably be thinking that I would need to be expecting to put in a bit more than that. So that's 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 very interesting. Well, that's good. You sound you sound like my ideal investor if you're expecting to put in more. And I, I always, you know, the 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 fifty k, like I say, is the, is the bottom, probably the bottom number, and is based on purchasing HMO properties typically on an eighty five percent loan to value. So. The deposit, therefore, is is lower, and like you say, that's that's based on me putting some in. But it would be anywhere between fifty and a hundred, again, as a as a ballpark. But of course, I work with investors where we're talking greater than a hundred thousand. You know, we're talking six figure numbers. So I think the reason I sort of pluck that number out is because, again, if, if we were having an actual conversation, my first question would be, how much. Are you looking to invest? This is a real conversation. Don't, don't <laughs> spoil it. <laughs> well, actually, I'm not going to answer that then. So I think we're running late. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. And do you think this was a real conversation? Uh, are Stuart and I going to, going to go into a joint venture together in the near future? Or was this all just a, a role play for, for your, your benefit? And let us know what you think of the conversation. And 
what do you think we should do with this potential partnership? Should we go into business together? Should we find a property to invest in together? You can reach us on biz of property on Twitter. That's B-I-Z of property or the contact form on thebusinessofproperty.com, which is also where show notes are for all of our episodes. Please do get in touch. Please do pass this on to anyone else you think might be interested in hearing it. We always value your feedback and we look forward to talking to you again next week.